Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Hello and welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and I'd like to thank you for joining me today along with our guest, Kim Paris. Kim was a classroom teacher for grades four through six for 20 years before becoming a gifted education specialist with the Alco County School District. Along with three colleagues, she founded the first charter school in Elko County. Today, she spends her time educating gifted and talented students that are preschoolers and kindergarten-aged in her own school, Paris Academy. I'm thrilled to have an expert educator on the podcast with us today. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Now, for all of our listeners, I first met Kim years ago at the charter school when we first enrolled my oldest daughter there. Um, And Kim was really instrumental in educating me about gifted and talented kids, their special needs, and what that means. And Kim, for as long as I've known you, you have been such an advocate for gifted and talented kids. In your opinion, what qualifies a child to be classified as gifted and talented? You know, Young, my first um, component of training focused only on the academic portion of identifying students for gifted and talented. And I also focused a lot on the number assigned to that designation. So one of the definitions of gifted and talented is that we look for kids who have an IQ of 120 and above. And there's a range of IQ scores from 120 to highly gifted 160. So there's a range of giftedness just like there are other attributes. So on an academic um, range or when you're defining them academically, you're looking for uh, an IQ score of between 120 and above all the way up to 160 and even higher than that. Fantastic. And then today, do you still use those tests to qualify the kids who come to you for their preschool and kindergarten education? You know, at this age, um, the research shows, and it's kind of been proven as I've started this school, that kids don't test well. There's not an accurate way of doing a paper pencil test. But what is extremely accurate, and I've also seen this starting this school, is parents reporting um, attributes and behaviors in their child. Once you can hone in on that conversation and direct it in a way that gives you specific answers, parents are between 75 and 83% accurate at identifying their child. Even if they don't understand what gifted and talented means by um, 
focusing specific questions on um, those attributes, parents can identify their child. So I don't use a specific test um, to qualify them for the school. It's, it's my observations and parent reporting. And I think that parent reporting part is really critical here when if parents really are astute and really are present and paying attention to their kids, I think there's a lot that they can gain by watching their kids. Absolutely. Um, and for me, I'm not a huge fan of doing standardized tests because I really believe that, you know, these tests are designed to test not every child's learning style. So if they're, if they have a different way of learning than in which the test is written, it may not be a good fit for them because I truly believe that within every child, there's that genius gifted potential and it's just up to educators to really take the time to sort of weed that out, if you will, and, and pull the, pull back the layers to find out how they learn and how we can help them propel themselves to that next level. Absolutely. And one thing that um, standardized tests do, and also these IQ tests, is it gives you a snapshot of a child who is schoolhouse gifted. And there's other ways. There's a creatively gifted individual, and sometimes creative individuals are also schoolhouse gifted. But a lot of times the kids who have a creative giftedness don't fit in the parameters of the definition of a schoolhouse gifted definition and so you weed out a lot of kids who have like you say those gifts and talents that aren't um, being noticed and addressed in a school setting. And I love the distinction there the schoolhouse gifted versus the creatively gifted because yes. I feel like schools these days put a really a lot of emphasis on being that schoolhouse gifted and sort of ignoring the rest which is detrimental for these kids. And um, there's a lot of attributes that a creatively gifted student has that don't fit in a schoolhouse gifted defini definition. And so, and a lot of times those kids are um, more challenging. They challenge the status quo. They have a different way of interpreting information. And if a teacher isn't willing to or is uneducated about those attributes of an artistically gifted child in, in music, art or whatever, they're either going to stunt that child's um, creativity or that creativity is never going to be addressed and honored and um, moved forward. I completely agree with that. And I think for me, my big passion is really to sort of help educate parents to understand what these gifts are and find these gifts and then give them resources to help them propel their kids. Yes. And I, I really just think that you know, there are so many parents who don't know these things. They don't know the questions to ask. So if there's a parent out there who has a child who's maybe a little bit more difficult, who presents challenges in class, they're getting in trouble for talking or they can't sit still, what would you recommend for them to do? Um, oh, Young, there's, there's kind of a multi-pronged approach. And one of the first things I would do as an educator or a parent advocating for their child is to ask for some additional testing. And I know that sound, runs counterintuitive to just what we were saying, but if, if that child is bored and acting out and getting into trouble and can't sit still, instead of labeling them as a behavior problem, ADHD or whatever other labels that they're 
putting on these kids, get some testing done because a lot of times these kids um, and do an IQ as well as an academic test because a lot of time these kids aren't going to be able to show what they know unless somebody takes the time to sit down with them and do those kinds of testing. And if they've been tested and they come out at a testing at a higher level and have a higher IQ, then it's up to the school system to address those needs by challenging them and giving them work that's at their level. And a lot of times that will alleviate the situation. That's a good place to start. And that's such great advice for parents out there because mm-hmm. I know in, my, in my line of work every day, I have parents who come to me almost in tears because mm-hmm. their child is being labeled, they're being remediated. They're really moving in the opposite direction of where they need to head. So I love that there's people like you in our community that are resources for these parents that I can say, go talk to Kim and let her help you figure out a better pathway. Yeah, and Yang, the problem with that is then once again getting back to the school system, in their defense, if you've got a child who is creatively gifted and above average intelligence, um, they can sometimes, and a lot of teachers do address that issue with um, more challenging work. And by more challenging, I don't mean more work, I mean more challenging work. But what about that child that's musically gifted and artistically gifted and is sitting in a classroom where those gifts, that they're not being able to use them in a way that makes sense to them and lets them um, move forward with who they are? That's that's a that's a huge part of the issue. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because I you know I see that when I go into my kids' classrooms or in just in talking to parents that you know some teachers are really really great at being able to identify these kids and give them extra challenges, but in a classroom with thirty kids and when mm-hmm. the focus is on getting them to do well on these standardized tests, which as we know don't really test their intelligence. You know, there's not a lot of time during the school day that they can focus their kids, you know, the effort on helping that kid develop individually. And if if there was a way to incorporate more of the um, special teacher's knowledge, special knowledge, so that they could work closer with a teacher, um, maybe with students who do have a musical or an artistic ability, if they could come up with a plan that would help that child in the classroom on a daily basis, because a once a week music program or a once a week art program that the entire class goes to isn't giving that child, that creatively gifted child, enough, um, they don't get enough and it's, it's, it's not exactly what they need. So maybe one way to look at it is to ask the teacher if they could work with the art, music, you know, those teachers a little more closely to develop some type of an individualized education program that could be implemented in the classroom on a more regular basis. Right. And I think the notion too of segmenting out every subject into distinct time frames where it's 30 minutes for music, it's 30 minutes for math or two hours for math. I think it kind of detracts from these kids who are in these classrooms trying to learn if we could somehow incorporate it. And so it's a more holistic approach. I think no matter how the child is learning, that would be greatly beneficial. But again, there's time constraints, there's governmental constraints, there's a whole lot of bureaucracy that has to be overcome to make those things happen. You know, um, one thing that that kind of I'll put out there um, and in the consulting field is that I create menus for teachers, and they they 
So in math, they there's different avenues of being able to express what you've learned in different ways. So there's art, you know, ways that they can learn and express their knowledge through art. There's ways they can express it through music. They can do dance, but it has to be um, it has to be in keeping with what the goals are for the classroom teacher. But a lot of times the teachers don't have the time or the information on how to incorporate a menu so that kids can show what they've learned in the in a way that feels right to them and they can use that that creative outlet and that's so great that you do that because I think that's definitely a service and a something that a lot of teachers could really use if, if they know that's available to them yeah I think it would be helpful but once again like you say there's time constraints and then a lot of teachers it's scary to to let their kids go like that and they're not all doing the same worksheet and how do you correct that and I mean you have to have teachers that are willing to take that risk and I know there's a lot of them out there but but it but it's it's a leap of faith and it's a it's a different way of doing things no I agree and when I talk to parents about really helping them figure out how to raise smarter kids and we do it through the arts because we know that through the research and just in our everyday dealings with these students, we see these transformational effects happening. We see these kids coming out of their shell. We see them taking on leadership roles. We see them doing better in school and better able to focus on what they're doing. So for you as an educator, why do you feel that the arts is so important in the development of a child? I feel like if you pigeonhole a child and say this is the only way that you can that we're going to teach you and if you can't learn this way then there's something wrong with you I can't tell you how many parents and kids feel like there's something wrong with their child because they don't learn in the way that's set up in a school system. So I feel like the more we can incorporate the different intelligences and the different ways that kids learn best, either musically, artistically, through movement, whatever it is, those kids are going to gain confidence in acquiring knowledge and feel like the way they learn is is not only okay, but it's honored and accepted and um, celebrated. And I just, it's got to happen or the kids are falling off on both ends. The ones in the middle are doing fine, but there's, there's a huge majority of kids that don't learn the way we teach in school. And I just feel like the arts is the only way that you can make connections with kids and develop their self-confidence. And again, I couldn't agree more. My big passion is really to be able to educate parents on the multiple intelligences and using what Howard Gardner has sort of laid out so beautifully for us that it's okay if your kid doesn't learn in a certain manner. There is a way to get them to learn. And that one constant across all the different intelligences, like you said, is the arts. So that's where my big passion lies. I actually do a webinar every Wednesday now where I break down the eight different kinds of intelligences and really speak to how kids are being taught in school, how they're being tested, and it may or may not match up with what they need. So really giving parents some tools that they can take away to have those discussions with not only their teachers, but with the administration to really be an advocate for their child. Absolutely. And um, 
just a, um, on a more negative note, I think that um, parents who take that on are going to hit some pretty strong brick walls against the establishment. But I think that if more parents understand those intelligences and know how to advocate for their child because they can come back with some research-based information, I think that that's going, it has to be numbers. It has to be numbers and it has to be parents being the advocates and being knowledgeable about their specific child and going in numbers and not giving up because I think that there's some real um, roadblocks because it's hard to change. An establishment is hard to change. Exactly. So how do you think that you and I, as people who are so passionate about educating parents about the different ways their kids learn and giving them tools, how do we best get our message out to more people, especially parents who may not, may have never heard about what we're talking about, but really see that spark in their child and know there's that potential there? Oh, Young, that is... That's a really hard question. And from somebody who in the district tried, I went in and tried to change everybody's mind. And um, if they didn't come around to my way of thinking, then um, I had a real hard time um, accepting their their reticence. But I think it's word of mouth. I truly think that you and I um, are touching lives. And I think those parents are going to go out and have a conversation with one other person who then maybe are, is going to come around to a different way of thinking. I don't, I, I, I don't know of another way other than a personal um, experience and word of mouth. Sounds like a little bit of an uphill battle here, but I'm ready for the <laughs> challenge if you are. Oh, Yang, it's um, just things like this and then um, um, offering people options and seeing the transformation through their child or through themselves. I think that's the best way to, to go about this. Absolutely. I'm going to switch gears here just a little bit. I want to kind of take a step back and, and ask you the reasons why you chose to do early childhood education after spending so much time in elementary school age levels. Oh my, that's a good question. Um, I decided to start a school and a learning center um, for gifted kids. And my goal is to start at the youngest level possible and nurture those children and offer their parents an option. And from a business perspective, I thought that would be the best way to grow a school is to start at the youngest level and give those parents an option to continue on with this type of education for their child. And so currently we have a full-time preschool for age three, four, and four, five. And then we also have the learning center for center for kindergartners and up through um, age six and seven right now. So my, from a business perspective, that seemed like the best way to grow a school. Absolutely. Get those little young minds in, get them loving the learning. Get yes. Them, you know, on the process when they're the most active in the education. So that's definitely a great plan. And Kim, what is the best way if parents who are listening are in our area and wanting to know more about your school and how they can get involved with you there? What's the best way for them to connect with you? We will have a website up um, by the end of this month 
We are on Facebook as Paris Academy, and um, I also have a phone number for Paris Academy that they can find in the in the phone book or on you know for inform uh, in information. Great, and I'll make sure that in the show notes for this this web, I'll make sure that in the show notes we will put your contact information there directly, so they can reach out to you if that's going to be a good fit for them. Yes, I think that would be a great way to get started. Once that they've contacted Paris Academy, there are some documents that we use to help parents decide if this is a place that they would like to start. Um, start their child in and part of that is the a gifted um it's kind of like a gifted checklist where they can start observing their child in different areas like sensitivity and above average vocabulary there's six or seven different areas that they want to start looking at and they i send that home with them and they can look that over and then start observing their child and jotting down information about their child to see if this is a good fit and if they want to move forward with that that's great, and I think that's a cool tool for a lot of parents. Even if they're if they have kids who are older, that would be an amazing tool for them to take a look at and have access to as well. Because I think that even if they're in the older grades, something like this could really help them hone in and focus in and and help their child a little more. Yes, because once you become aware of your child's attributes and some of the reasons or the ways that they act and react to different situ situations, you can then change your approach and your response to those behaviors. And it, the dynamics can change, and it dials down the stress and the, the tension sometimes that's present with these kids' behaviors and actions because they're not all wonderful. Sometimes there's some ways that these kids respond and react to situations that parents Parents don't understand, and if they know where they're coming from, a lot of times that helps both parents and child. Absolutely. I think getting the parents as part of the process and having them understand that without their input and without their observation, none of this could be possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know in your program too, Young, when kids have the opportunity to express themselves and get those emotions out in a healthy way um, through the arts, I know that that's a huge um, relief for these kids. Their physiological makeup changes when they have a way of expressing themselves and getting out those emotions that sometimes they don't know what to do with other than through the arts. Absolutely. Hey, before we sign off today, I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for your time. You're certainly a wealth of knowledge and our community is much richer for having you in it. Before we say goodbye, though, is there one simple little tip parents listening today could take away to incorporate the arts and help their child really propel their learning to that next level? You know, Young, I've been thinking about that, and um, I just, real quickly, I want to say that one of the things that my mother always did as I look back and try and understand um, the impact that arts have had on my life is that she always was pointing things out in the environment. Look at the way the sun is shining on the mountains. Look at all the different greens in that tree. There's not just one color of green. Look away the way that artist created that poster. Look at that person's eyes. Aren't they beautiful? So she should, she gave me an appreciation just by pointing out um, different 
different ways of looking at our environment. And as a takeaway, I think if parents can just have that easy, simple conversation and re and show their child how they appreciate the world through the eyes of an artist, I think that that's a great way to start having that conversation and moving forward with helping your child. And that is such an excellent tip, and it's so actionable. Be present, be observant, and have a discussion with your kids along the way. Well, Kim, yeah. thank you so much for being here. And I just want to thank you again for taking the time to battle the tech with me and be here on this <laughs> call today. Oh, Yang, thank you so much for inviting me. It makes me feel so good. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share us with a friend and leave us a review here on iTunes. Be sure to head over to artsmartparenting.com for free updates to help you raise a smarter kid through the arts. And if you're looking for more ways to propel your child's learning, join me each Wednesday for a free live webinar where you'll discover how your child learns best, how to supercharge learning, and the often hidden mismatch between teaching, testing, and your child. Sign up today at artsmartparenting.com and click on the Live tab. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes where I'll be sharing tips and tricks to incorporate the arts into your already busy schedule and expert interviews with artists, educators, and entrepreneurs on how the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. Until next time, I'm Young Pratt, your partner in raising smart kids.